Welcome, everyone. Happy Miracle Monday. Happy Passover. Welcome to Radiant 17. Oh, it is such a joy to be here with you, just to share in this season, this feast time with you, just leaning in. I was listening to the song, Sinking Deep, and just thinking about the song, how it was saying, I was seeking deep, singing, seeking to the depths of the Lord. You know, the Bible says the deep calls out to deep, you know, and it's the deep in him that calls out to the deep in us. And it's an invitation to sink deep in him, to dive deep, even that that river of God that flows from the throne. It, it is an invitation for us not just to swim in it, but to dive depth to the depths of it. Jesus said, you know, come unto me, learn of me. That's an invitation. Sinking deep is an invitation. And, and in this feast time, we should be sinking deep in Yeshua, HaMashiach. We should be sinking deep in Jesus. We should be sinking deep in the anointed one. We should be hearing his heart. He's speaking to his people. He has something to say to the believer, to his sons and daughters. He has something to say to the body of Christ as we are in the midst of Passover. And it is our job to accept that invitation to see these feast times as an invitation to sink deep, to dive deeper, to go after it, that we may apprehend more of him, that we may behold the one who we're going to become even more from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And so I just want to encourage you as we are digging deep in scripture, we're going to hit on the, the fourth of seven sayings Last sayings that Jesus said. And I want to start with this because I believe each one of these sayings, there was there was something at the heart of it. And I love just sinking deep in scripture and just meditating. And how you sink deep in scripture is just meditate, sit and wait on the Holy Spirit to give you his interpretation of what scripture is saying rather than you come up with yours. But just wait. And you know it's the Holy Spirit because he'll begin to connect the dots. He'll begin to just speak to you, begin to bring other scriptures and other pieces. He'll even pull life examples that you have been to that, that you may not realize that identifies to the scripture you're reading. And so when you allow the Holy Spirit to do it, he'll put this, this jigsaw puzzle together. When it comes together, it's a picture of our God. It's a picture of what the Lord wants to say. And from that, we are fed. Because that's revelation. It's being revealed to us. It's being made known to us. And I love that we have this uh, invitation to come to know, to be intimate. And in, in that space of being intimate, we are impregnate with something. And then it's then we give birth to it, you know, symbolizing, you know, his will here being done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to encourage you to sink deep, sink deep, sink deep, sink deep, be sink to the, and I'll tell you this, uh, my friends, I'll let you know, I'll let you in on a secret or I'll let you in on a, on, yeah, on a secret. Can I tell you that you can swim to the depths and there's no bottom, there's no bottom. So you can just swim to the depths of the Lord and you will find no bottom. That's beautiful. That means I get to continuously get to know the anointed one, the one that loves me, the one whom I love, 
the bridegroom, my Lord, my Savior, my King. I get to know him. I get to know him. I get to fellowship in what I know that I can better steward what, what God has given me. And so, yes, yeah, sink deep, sink deep. That's a song I was listening to, Sinking Deep. And it just made me think of just how this experience of just sharing these last sayings with you that Jesus said, it's been a sense of sinking deep into the heart of him, to the heart of who he is and just and just being able to communicate that to you. So it's such an honor and such a pleasure. And so I just want to get to it right away. Um, we're going to start here. Matthew 4 and Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And it says this, and Jesus replied, it is written, for man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I'm going to read that again. It is written forever remains written. Man shall not live by bread alone. That means you shall not live by that natural stuff, the natural bread that we eat, the McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and, and Chinese food and all the stuff, the natural stuff, all that stuff perishes. It's temporal. It'll satisfy, it'll be here today and gone tomorrow. But he says this, but we should live, but, but, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, what's coming out of the mouth of God, the word, the bread, that true bread of heaven. Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven that came down here to earth. It's that bread that, 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 that is here eternal. It is that bread that lives forever. It is that bread that actually truly gives you life. We look at our food today and I was telling a friend, we have to take supplements because our food is not as healthy as it, it used to be because of the way they process the food, the way the food is being extracted from the ground. But the word of God never has lost its value, never lost any nutrients. It is the word is him is the word is God. And the word was God and the word was in the beginning with God, John 1 and 1. And we know that God and his word is the same. And so if God is a life giver, his word is a life giver. And if I live by his word, his word will continue to give me life. What does that mean? That means if the doctor tells you that you only got a certain amount of time to live, or if the doctor says, oh, this, this problem over here, or the doctor says, Oh, uh, you know, you got to have an operation or the doctor says that this cancer is terminal. The Bible says this. Lord said this in Isaiah. He said, who will believe my report? Who will? In other words, who will, will believe my word? We always take the word of the doctor or word of this like it's the final word. Now, I'm not mad with them because they, they can only in their limited capacity give us what they know. That's it. So I'm not mad with them, but I know there's one whose word has life in it, whose word is life, and that I'm to live by that. I'm to hinge my life. I'm to hold on to that. If, 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 if it takes me to the grave, I'm going to hold on to that which is life. There are many people that have died holding on to the word of God and they really didn't die in terms of die. That was it. The end. And there was nothing more of them. No, they, they got life in that more abundantly. Life. Why am I saying this? How is this a saying? Because I really believe when we get to this next saying, you're going to see 
how this was so important and how it's important to you and I when we are walking in a situation, when we are faced with circumstances and situation and the only thing that's going to get you through is the word. And so this is Jesus being tempted by the enemy as he as at the beginning of his ministry. He's been fasting 40 days and the enemy tempts him and says, you know, if you really the son of God, you know, turn these stones into bread. And he said to him, you know what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. That's what determines my life. That's what determines I'm going to live or die. That's what I'm going to determine whether I'm going to be blessed or set free. His word has life in it. And so that is what Jesus lived by. Jesus stood on the word and he gave the enemy the word, even in his weakest point. But we want to get over here to Matthew 27. And I'll set the stage for you. In Matthew 27, I love the Gospels because the Gospels, each one captures a different aspect of uh, the crucifixion, of what happened that day. They, they capture a different aspect and you're able just to engage and, and see, you know, just or even feel sometimes what was going on and be just touched by it, be moved by it. And I just want to encourage you in this day, in this time, in this season, go back, read, go back, dig in you'll find that you, you can able to connect through the Holy Spirit what the Lord was going through, what, what was happening at that time. Sometimes you can make that connection even in, as you have walked through things. Um, I look here and here's Jesus on the cross. He is already on the cross. He's already been nailed. And people are just taking the words they've heard him say, heard him preach out in the open or in the synagogue, and they're just throwing it back in his face. Have you ever been in a space as a person where you've said things and then somebody, when they catch you on the down, they, they throw your words right back at you? Man, that makes me, <laughs> that gets under my skin sometimes. It really does because it's like, man, you couldn't wait to kick a brother when he's down? No, come on, don't do that. But that's what they were doing to Jesus. They Jesus had said, you know, and I'm going to tear down this temple and I'm and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And oh, they said, oh, yeah, well, you're on the cross now. You know, you, are you really going to do that, Jesus? You know, Jesus said a lot of things and they were throwing these things back in his face with such disrespect, with such contempt, mocking him, scoffing him. But I get to this part right here. It says this here in verse 23 of of, 20, of the chapter 27 of Matthew, it says, he trusted, this is what they said, he trusted in God. Let God rescue him now. If he delights in him, for he said, I am a son. You know, and so there's this mocking. You ever been, you know, I heard somebody say this one time. Where's your God at now? You know, you, you say this and you say that and you say this, but you're in this situation. Where's your God at now? That's what they did to Jesus. And I know some of you can relate to that, you know, standing, making a stance for the Lord and somebody just hurls that at you, just says that phrase at you. Where's your God at now? Well, you trust in God and well, God should get you out, right? You don't, you know, and it's like, and they don't say it in a sense of affirming your faith. They say it in a sense of mocking you or like this sarc this sarcasm, like with a smirk on their face, laughing at you like, yeah, you trust in God. I trust in myself and I'm fine. You know, and the truth is they're not fine. Because the Bible says, curse is the man that trusts in a man. So the Bible says, yeah, curse is a man who trusts in a man. Because what you will reap 
trusting in the man is all that that man is. Yeah, that's what you'll reap. And you'll reap his ability to fail, his ability not to live up to his word, his ability to just not, not to do right, any and everything. But God, who can never fail you, and when you trust him, you will inherit all his goodness for he is good. I, that's a side note. I just want to give you that. And I want to keep going. And he said this here. And the robbers who were crucified with him also began to insult him. But here, verse 45 says this. Now from the sixth hour, which is noon. There was darkness. So the moment Jesus was on the cross and he was lifted up on the cross. Darkness filled the land. Can you imagine? In the middle of the day. In the middle of high noon. When the sun should be out. It is like night. It's dark. And it was a dark time. It was a dark moment. Because the one who is light. The one who is life. The light of the world. Is being crucified. It's being crucified. And it, darkness just appears to a win. Seems like darkness is winning and, and having the upper hand. And the Bible says this, and it says this. It says that it was dark up until the ninth hour, up until 3 o'clock p.m. So for three hours, it was dark because he was on the cross. And the Bible says this in 46 and about the ninth hour, which is three o'clock, 3 p.m., Jesus cries out with a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lama sabbatini. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That is my God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? Now let's go back. We know scripture that says, the Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us. We all know that scripture. We know the scripture that Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end. Even in Psalms 139, the, uh, David writes this psalm and says, Lord, if I make my bed in heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in, in the sea, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. There's no place I can go that you are not there. Because he is ever present that's who he is and yet jesus is saying my god my god why have you forsaken me it would almost seem like there's okay lord can you just are you not living up to your word or what's going on have you ever felt like that in your situation have you ever felt where is god in this i can't feel him I know the scripture that says this and says that about who he is. But in this moment, I don't feel him. I don't have this connection. And it would seem if you allow your situation. And I want you to understand this. Jesus was fully God, but fully man. And he was fully man at that moment on the cross. That is the human part of him. That is the man part of him speaking as we would speak. Under God in the midst of a situation. That isn't the God part of him. That is the man part of them. The human part of him. The part that is touched by the feeling of our infirmity. The part that connects with us. 
the part that understands us when we are in the midst of situations. If, if you ever walk through the valley of shadow of death, you've lost a loved one or you've or you've been in such a trial of a situation. It seems like it zapped the life and everything seems dark around you. You understand what Jesus is talking about in this moment. And if we're not careful, our circumstances can tell us or, or, or pose a question to us. Well, where's God at? Or has God left me? Why has this happened to me? I thought stuff like this don't happen to believers. I thought stuff like this don't happen to Christians. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. Lord, where are you? Where are you? I don't sense you. I don't. Did I do something wrong? Does that sound familiar to you? Can you connect with Jesus now as he's fully man dying on the cross and he cries out to his father saying, where are you? Why have you left me? I do not feel you. Psalms 22 takes it a little bit deeper. It says, why have you moved far away from me? It would appear that way. And yet he says, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Hmm. Can I tell you, my friends, as we get to this space, there's a, there's a time in, in a, the scripture that says this in a second Corinthians, this, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? Faith is, 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 is connected to the spirit realm. Sight is the senses is connected to this realm, the realm of, uh, of emotions, this realm here, the earthbound realm, but the faith is connected to the spirit realm. And so if the Bible says we are to walk by faith and not by sight, why? Because your sight, your senses can give you a revelation of a circumstance of a situation that's false. It can even tell you and give you a false revelation of who God is in the midst of the situation. When scripture says he is mighty in the midst, but to you, you don't feel, you don't sense the mighty. Or, you, or one of these scriptures that says this, for all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. And some of us say, well, I don't feel the good right now. Even though God is telling me he's working for the good, I don't see a sense of good. Here, let me tell you, my friends, you don't have to wait to the end of the thing to experience good. The, God himself is good. And because he is good and he is in the midst, even if you cannot feel him, you can still connect to the one who is good. So I don't have to wait to the end to experience good. I can experience the good while I'm in route to coming to the end of this situation. Does that make sense? But Romans 8.24 says this. Hope is not hope if you can see it. In other words, if I can see it, why do I need to have faith for it? What do I mean by that? Sometimes we started with this thought that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. All Jesus had in this moment was the word. As a man, all he had was the word. It's what he lived by, the word, the promises. 
And he had to have faith as a man, the man part of him, the human part of him, in God's plan to redeem man. That this was the right way to do it. That God was what? Going to not leave his soul in hell. Let's turn to uh, Psalms 16. I love David. David is a New Testament believer. He's an amazing uh, individual that had the heart of God. The Bible says, the Lord said this. He said, he, he is a man after my own heart. And I'm going to tell you, there's something about laying your head upon the heart of God. Even John the Beloved, who in the New Testament laid his head upon the heart of Jesus. He was John the Beloved, the one that rested his head. And I'm going to tell you about those two people that there's something parallel about them. Here's the parallel piece about them. They both laid their heads on the heart of God and they were able to hear and access things that were not just in their time, but things to come. And they wasn't asking or seeking. It was the relationship they had, the closeness they walk with, that they would hear things that was going to happen hereafter. David, in some of his Psalms, are prophesying about things that were going to happen to Jesus thousands of years before Christ was ever here in the flesh. And yet David is getting this revelation in Psalms 22. You ought to read it. It's talking about what Jesus was going through. And David's getting this revelation. He writes this, this psalm, because David was a psalmist that just worshiped the Lord. And David was a psalmist that just didn't worship the Lord, but that he worshiped from the place of laying his head on the Father's heart. Oh. And 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 so he would he would worship with revelation. Who? Revelation would spew out of what he was worshiping. You would hear just gold nuggets dropping, and these gold nuggets were were, were timeless, were 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 uh, um, clues and and just open portals into a time in which it had not been. And so David says this in Psalm 16. He says, "I have set, I have set the Lord continually before me." Because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. David says, I've set the Lord continually before me and I will not be shaken. You know what? You know why he wasn't shaken? Because the, the Lord will keep you steadfast and unmovable. The Bible says, set your affections on things above, not things beneath. When we set our affections on things above, we put them, we put our affections, we put our emotions in the hands of the one who is steadfast, the one who is peace, the one who can keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, the one that gives us peace that passes all understanding while all hell is breaking loose. We have this peace that just stabilizes us, that sustains us and keeps us. And he says, I keep the Lord continually before me and I will not be shaken. Yeah, that's powerful. You need to take that. Yeah. He goes on and says this in verse 10. He says, for you will not abandon me to Sheol or to hell. Nor will you allow your Holy One to go into decay. This He's getting the revelation of Jesus on the cross. And this is what he Jesus was reciting in his heart. Knowing as a man, knowing scripture as a man, 
He knew God would not allow him to suffer yet. He is in a situation where he cannot connect to him uh, um, emotionally. He cannot connect to him in any of his senses. His senses, everything has just been stripped down. There are times in your life that God will just strip all the things away. Strip everything away to connect with you in such a way that causes you to step into maturity. It causes you to grow. It causes you to not depend on the things that you used to depend on, but you step into this place with your faith, believing and knowing, even if I cannot identify, I cannot see it. I don't know where it's coming from, but in my faith, because God said it, I'm holding on to his word because he is his word. His word will not fail. His word cannot fail because his word is him. And everything he says will not come back void, but will accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. So therefore, he is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man he should repent, but he is God. And if he speaks it, it's going to be. We can see that in Genesis. Let there be this, let there be that. And the moment he spoke it, there it was. So God's word is, is, is alive. It has life in it. It has the ability to become whatever he wants. And so Jesus is on the cross thinking, meditating on that scripture in Psalms 16 that David gets a re revelation 2,000 years prior. Prior to Christ being here. That he's saying this as, as the man. I know you're not going to leave me in this. Even though I cannot feel you, I know you're not going to leave me in this. I know you have not abandoned me. But it feels like it. Because I cannot feel you. Does not you understand how Jesus feels what we feel? Sometimes when we say that scripture, he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Some of us believe, well, you know, yeah, that's just a scripture. Is Jesus really touched? I hope what I'm sharing, what I'm laying out before you, I hope that you can understand that Jesus, the man, learned scripture just like we did. He was taught the prophet's writings, the Torah, all that stuff. Holy Spirit comes upon him. He did everything for us to show us how life was going to be because he was modeling what a new breed of believer we're going to be. But he was also redeeming mankind because he had to do it as a man. Yes, he was fully God, but the man aspect of him is the only part that could die and redeem us because he had to be the lamb slain. That needs to be clear. It needs to be clear. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. I hope you guys are still with me. And so hope that we can see is not hope. And I love this about Abraham. In, uh, in Romans 4, 18, it says that Abraham hoped against hope. He believed against what he saw. He looked at his inability. He looked at his ability and saw, well, God, you keep saying, I'm going to have this kid. I'm going to have this. I'm going to do this. But yet I see nothing. I see no signs of anything that lets me know that this is going to be. All I have is your word. Sound familiar? That's us. On that, in that miss, in that moment where it is dark. There's, it just seems like I don't feel God. I can't sense him. And it would feel like he's not there. Because Jesus was used to connecting with him. 
It reminds me of a time when I went on uh, a journey up north and it was an eight day uh, getaway to be with the Lord. And I was so used to being with him, so used to feeling him, so used to feeling him. And I'll tell you, this eight day journey was the most challenging, stretching journey I've ever been on. I couldn't feel him. I couldn't sense him with my senses. But yet he was there. There were times uh, in that space of just like this vacuum. All my stuff was coming up like stuff that I hadn't that I didn't even realize was still there was coming up. If it wasn't coming up while I was awake in the cabin, it was coming up in my dreams. I was having dreams of stuff. And yet the Lord was there in this space. And at one point, I'm just like, man, I need, I just want to go home. And the Lord says to me. If you can't know that I'm in the room or that I'm with you in any given situation, just by faith, knowing that my word is true and you can faith in what I say. He said, you won't make it. With the coming deception that's appealing to the senses. People of God, there is a deception. There is false wonders, there's false signs, there's false things that sound and feel like God that will appeal to the senses, but they will not be God. And if you don't know how to stand in the spirit to be able to discern these things, you'll fall. The Bible says the very elect of God will fall, can fall. Why? Because their walk is hinged on what they see, their sight. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Our, our walk is hinged by faith. It is by faith through grace. Not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Our faith in God. Not what you feel. Jesus, The Bible says this in, in Isaiah 11 uh, about Jesus. That he would not weigh things based on what he saw or what he heard. But everything by the Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us. To help us understand and see and know these things and weigh these things true because the, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. Amen? Amen. People of God, we got to get this. And I remember when the Lord said that to me, I said to him, then Lord, don't let me go home the same. Then my cry was different. It wasn't go home, let me go home. It was, please, don't let me go home the same. I don't want to ever be the same. I don't ever want to reduce our walk to an uh, to a physical experience, to a sensual experience. I don't want ever want to limit you. I want I want to walk by faith. I want to know that I know you're in the room. Even if I cannot feel you, I want to hold on to you. I want to hold on to your word because holding on to your word is him. The problem I think people are having is that God's word is apart from him and it's not. You know, the scripture in John says this, but we tend to act like his word is apart from him and it's not. He is his word. His word is him. So when you're holding on to his word in the midst of a situation, you are holding on to God. You need to I'm gonna say that again. When you are embracing God's word, you are embracing him in any given situation. And if all you have is his word, then you have him, even if you cannot feel him. Does that make sense? Yes, I hope it does. Hope you're getting this. I'm not going to be too much longer, but I'm just helping you understand 
as he was on the cross and he's crying out to the Lord. He's taken on all the sin of the world, taking on all the sin. He's taking on sin that was, that was, that is in that moment and that is to come. He took it all on. And I, and I, and I hope that you get this. When we are in so much sin, some of us that have backslidden, a little have backslidden before the Lord. Sometimes you can get so engrossed in the sin that you backslidden in that you don't feel God. That you don't feel that connection. That you don't hear his voice. It's hard for you to gauge where he is. You got to remember he was on the cross taking on all the sin of the world. And because he took on all the sin of the world, he could not engage God like he used to. He could not feel him or sense him near because the sin was blocking that connection. Sounds familiar? I hope it does. Because some of us have said this, you know, to a brother, sister, man, I don't know if I can ever come back. I don't, I just, I've done this and I'm in this space and I'm having a hard time connecting with God. And it's because you have allowed this thing to get in the way of your connection. But can I tell you, friend, God never leaves. Even though you cannot connect with him, he's still present. Even he was present there with Jesus. Let me tell you what uh, Psalms 22 says. Our friend David, our dear brother David, amazing man of God. I tell you, people of God, you need to, you need to, you need to lay your head on the heart of God and stay there. That, that's your space. If you're going to worship, worship from the revelation that flows from the Father's heart because out of it is life. It's the river of life that gives life. And you just may hear some things that are just beyond your years. They're timeless. They're, they're eternal. That's why, that's why God could speak that to David and, it, and, and tell David about a time he had no clue about. Same thing with John. John heard things. John saw things in the book of Revelation because of his relationship. So David says this in Psalms 22. And this is, he's speaking about the Lord. You who fear the Lord and praise him, all you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Fear him, all you descendants of Israel. For he, this is the Lord, for he has not despised nor detest the suffering of the afflicted. Did you hear what I said? For he does not despise nor detest the suffering of the afflicted. Jesus was afflicted for our sake. He suffered for our sake. And he's saying the father did not detest it. Didn't despise it. Here's the next part of that verse. Nor has he hidden his face from it. But when he cried to him for help, he listened. David is speaking about that moment when Jesus is crying out, where are you? And the Lord didn't hide his face. He did not hide his face. Everything was happening right before his eyes, right before his face. Let me tell you, Mary, when Mary, in, a, in the last uh, a podcast we did, we talked about Mary witnessing 
the brutality of what Jesus went through and then even standing there near the cross, witnessing all the things that were happening and then witnessing her son die. Can I tell you, my friends, that just as Mary witnessed her son, her first son, her beloved son, whom God gave her, die, the father in heaven was witnessing the same thing. His face was not hidden from that moment. His face did not detest nor despise the, the one who was suffering and afflicted. But he heard his cry. He heard his cry. He heard the Lord's cry. He was present. And in that moment, Mary and, the, and, 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 and Yahweh, the father, were touched. They were connected by this one person who was dying. You can't tell me our God does not know how we feel or connect with us. He connects with us in ways that it, it's in scripture. All we got to do is read the word, read the word. I'm telling you, get in the word. The, the word of God will tell you. It will speak to you. Can I tell you, my friends, that Isaiah, that not Isaiah, Psalms 138 says this, that Yahweh submits himself. That whatever word that Yahweh speaks he puts that word higher than his name. What does that mean? He submits to whatever he's promised you. Whatever he's spoken, he comes up under that and he submits himself to see it through. In other words, another scripture says he watches over his word to what? Complete it. To see it come to pass. Jesus was on the cross. And he was saying those words. And I just want to bring that close to you guys and help you understand that that's the same thing we've gone through. But that the truth of the matter is that our God is always present. His face is not hidden. He's right there listening to your cry. Even if you feel like you can't connect him. Even if you feel like he doesn't hear your prayers, he's hearing you. He's hearing you. And I'm going to leave you with that. And I pray for though I pray for you, those that are in that space, that have been in that space, or challenged with depression or any mental uh, uh, imbalance or instability that has come. You know, to just rob you of your joy and put you in a place where it seems like everything is dark or the rooms are closing in on you. Let me tell you, our God is there with you in that moment and he's mighty in the midst and he hears your cry. The enemy will tell you no one can hear you. That's a lie. God does. He doesn't hide his face from anything. He doesn't hide his face from anybody. His face is present in every circumstance or situation. I pray that this will bless you. I pray that this will encourage you. I pray that you will see the connection between you and Jesus and it will just cause you to want to dive deeper in his word. I love you. I bless you. Let me know what you think of this. Radiant uh, uh, Prayerhouse 17 at gmail.com. Happy Passover. Happy Passover. Happy Passover. Love you and bless you.